Okay, I want to start by by telling you a, about a guy who is going to be with us on this campus, and we're going to spend some time with. I've already talked with Chuck about it, so he's said it's just fine and it's something we want to do. And 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 I'm obliged to give you some of the background of this individual because um, as he's he's here with us, it's going to be important that you know some of his background and and. Uh, so I've had the, the good pleasure of serving as the faculty advisor of this group, and I think it'd be a good, good addition and a good challenge and something for, for each of you to learn by. So this young man is going to come, and he's going to be a part of our group. He's a little bit older than you, uh, but not by much. Um, and, and I'm telling you his background, and, and he, he knows that I'm going to tell you this, and so he's okay with it, but it's, it's important that you know. So he's... Uh, when he was in a few years ago, when he was younger, he he had uh, been in the occult. He had uh, had idols and things in his home, and then uh, you know he didn't didn't have a real successful high school experience. Went to college, and um, uh, and it, it ended up dropping out of college. Went into the army, and uh, uh, things things didn't work real well for him as far as an individual. But as far as a soldier, he did real well. He ended up actually being in a lot of combat. And, um, and because of that, because life to him in combat had changed dramatically from life on the outside, uh, there were several things that happened in his life. And uh, uh, just the value of human life changed. So he saw so many people blown up and exploded and killed and shot that the value of human life changed. So that when he got out of the army, he actually uh, uh, ended up uh, uh, raping a woman. He ended up, you know, just a, a lot of things. He ended up actually killing a man. And uh, again, life, life took on a, a different set of meaning to him. Uh, so it's important, especially the young women would know that, that what his past is, how he had, had raped a woman, and, and just that he can have violent streaks. And it's just important that we think about how we would minister to him. He's going to be part of the group, and we're going to do that. And we're going to minister to him, and he's going to, he's going to be part of the activities. He's going to be part of your retreats that you're going to go on to Denton and wherever you go. He's going to be part of, of the team and travel with him. And, and, uh, and it's important to learn how to minister and how to reach out. This is something that's important to do. And, and you know, he, he can have moods, and, but he's, he's an individual, and we need to reach out to him. Does that sound okay? Something you want to do? And the man's name is David Jessison. Okay, so when he comes, you remember his name is David Jesse's son. David, the son of Jesse. That was his life. When David, when David, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 13, he had a household idol in his home that was so big that his wife put it in a bed and covered it over, and when men came, they thought David was in that bed. That's how big his household idol was. David ended up killing so many men in the army, his life, life to him took on less of a meaning 
in many ways. So that when it came to the point where he raped Bathsheba and had her husband killed along with several others, it didn't have much meaning to him. But it's interesting that God said, that is a man after my own heart. And God would use him in such a deep way to impact others. That is the type of people, that is the type of person that God reaches out to. And God says, I can work with that person. In fact, I can work very well with that person. God chooses the base things of the world and the despised. God chooses the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are. That's what the scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians, that God chooses the base things of the world to confound the wise. I want to read this portion out of uh, Luke chapter 10. Is that, that portion about the good Samaritan. And uh, I want to read that portion. And so there were these people that were trying to test Jesus. And, uh, and so they started asking him some questions. And he started to, to respond to them. Actually, in uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Okay, so um, let me just read this portion. I'll start at verse 29. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And in Luke 10, verse 30, it says, Jesus replied and said, A man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance a priest was going down on the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place, he saw him passed by on the other side. But the Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him. And he, when he saw him, he felt compassion, and he came to him, and he bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast, and he brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. So, you know, this is really an interesting story. Here was a man trying to justify himself, saying, Who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells this story. So let's, let's look at, at exactly what he says. He says, There was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And I would say Jerusalem to Jericho, I'm just ballparking it, something like 30 miles. And it's downhill all the way. And, uh, uh, well, there, there are rolling hills, but it, it's mostly down. Um, and it's a very hot desert road. Uh, even today, I mean, you, you look out there on this road and you think, wow, I hope this bus doesn't break down or we're in big trouble. Uh, so so it, can, it can be really daunting in that respect. And it's easy to hide. I mean, there's so many hills in that Judean desert that you could easily be hiding behind some hill. And since a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. So he was, he was a man on a mission. He was going in a particular direction. He fell among robbers. 
they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. So half dead probably implies that he was unconscious. So he was half dead, and uh, they stripped him and beat him. Now there's the conundrum there. He was stripped. When you're naked, you don't know if somebody were to see you laying at the side of the road. They don't know anything about you. If you're rich or you're poor, or if you're a street person, or if you're Baptist or Presbyterian, nothing is known about you. You can't tell. Is the man a priest? Is the man a Levite? Is the man a Samaritan? There's nothing you can know. So they were totally devoid. They didn't know anything about this man. Nothing they could tell. And he'd just fallen upon robbers. This could happen to anybody. And it says, by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw it, he passed by on the other side. You know, the religious person. The priest was going by. Maybe we could say a Baptist preacher was going by and went, went on the other side. This is the analogy that, that Jesus is using to put it in our, in our framework. I mean, it is the person that you would think would do something, does nothing. And then, likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Didn't even want to get close to this man who was naked and beaten and unconscious. Just stay away. So now you've got the Presbyterian pastor going by. Presbyterian minister going by. On the other side. That's what you've got. Walking on the other side. Or the student in the campus Christian group going by on the other side. Because, you know, you've know, you got, you got a schedule to keep. You don't want anything to get in the way of, of, of your schedule, right? And it's good to be on time. It's good to you know, do stuff like this. I'm sure that the priest and the Levite were nice folks. You know, if you met them, you'd think, hey, this is a pretty nice guy. But you go by on the other side. Then it says, but a Samaritan. Now, to, to say a Samaritan would be like, now comes a Mormon. Now comes a Jehovah's Witness. The person that you, would, you wouldn't expect to do this. The person that you don't usually have a whole lot of contact with because they're not part of your little community. And so the Mormon comes along and the Jehovah's Witness comes along and they look upon this person and it says... The Samaritan, and remember the Samaritans were, 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 were ethnically diverse in that they were part Jewish, part Jew, because they had intermarried with the ones that the Assyrians had brought down, and they were part Gentile. They had changed the scriptures. They, took, they only accepted the first five books of Moses. The Samaritans, even today, only take, take the first five books of Moses. They've taken every word out from Mount Moriah, which is where Jerusalem is, and they've scratched it out and put in Mount Gerizim. 
So in that day, they weren't allowed to have dealings with Samaritans and being indebted to them because they had even changed the scriptures and they only took the first five books. So this person had a different Bible. And in fact, they took the Bible of the Jews, they they cut out portions, they cut out a large portion of it, they only took the first five books, and then they they changed everything to Mount Gerizim, uh, where Shechem was, because they wanted that to be the center. So this is not a very good group if you look at it religiously. You could see why they weren't supposed to have many dealings with them. Sort of like Mormons having a Book of Mormon. You know, they've added to the book. You've added to this. You've taken pieces out of our book and you put it into your Book of Mormon or whatever. And it's this person, and he says, this, but a Samaritan who was on a journey. So the Samaritan wasn't just out going for a walk and whistling with a lot of time on his hands. He was on a journey himself. He was probably going to Jericho or something to do business. I mean, he was a busy guy. So, so here was this Samaritan, and he was on a journey himself, and he came upon him, and it says, when he saw him, he felt compassion. So it wasn't out of a sense of obligation because of religion. You know, so many times I find myself doing things because I feel I ought to do them based on my position, based on who I am as a Christian. I ought to do this. This guy had a better heart. He was doing it out of just a sense of compassion. And I have to say, God, get a hold of my heart. And get a hold of my heart. This guy, out of a sense of compassion, looks at him, and he comes and he stops and he starts bandaging up the wounds. And it's not like the Samaritan is just happens to be traveling with a, you know, some first aid kit. I mean, he's he's probably. And why was the man stripped? The man was stripped because clothing was worth a lot in those days. You didn't have like. You know, 50 different outfits. It's like my daughter one day, she was in my, I was in a room, and she said, Dad, I, I don't have any clothes. You don't have any clothes? I'm looking at you right now. <laughs> you have clothes on. I have no clothes. I said, how about I do this? I open your closet door, I will close my eyes, and I reach in and see if my hand touches anything. I'm not even sure I could slide my hand in between all the stuff that you've got on your hangers. It wasn't like that. A person had a, a set of clothes, and that's it. And that's why when, when Jesus died, you know, they saw the value in his clothes, and they took them. So this guy probably had to take shreds of his own clothes to start bandaging this guy, he starts pouring oil to soften it because it, the sun is so drying. There's such intense sun there. And it's so dry. It's not like, like humid Houston. It's so dry that you'd rapidly dry up in the blazing sun. So he's pouring oil to soften the wound. He's pouring wine to disinfect it. I mean, you don't buy a bottle of wine to go with you to, you know, to pour in wounds. And he's pouring in the oil and the wine. And then he puts him on his own beast and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. I mean, this guy's... Remember, this was a man on a mission. He was going on a journey. And he stops and he goes in and he takes care of the man. 
And then he took out two denarii. So that's a denarii is a day's wage. So say $200 he takes out. And he gives it to the innkeeper. And he says, take care of him. And whatever you spend, when I return, I will repay you. And what about the guy? I mean, no, the guy has nothing. Everything he had has been robbed. Still, he knows nothing about this man. He doesn't know if he's a Samaritan. If he, he doesn't know. Good chance he's a Jew who doesn't like him anyway. And he's reaching out to this guy. Nobody knows who this guy is or what he is. And because he's unconscious, there's no way to know. For all he knows, he just got what he deserved. Maybe he himself was a robber and the person he tried to rob beat him up. He says, you take care of him and when I return, I will repay you. So in other words, when I go and I come back and on my way back from doing business, I'm going to come and I'm going to stop here and I will give something from my pocket more to give. Then Jesus asked the question, which of those three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. To walk in what Jesus has us walk in often requires us to go beyond our comfortable selves. It is required. It is required in life as a believer walking with Jesus, to give up your money in ways that it it takes away from what you would normally be able to do. What was different about the widow's might? Jesus said, everybody else gave of their excess. She has given of her sustenance. When it takes away from the things that you would normally be able to do, that's when it starts counting. Is there a vacation you can't go on because you have to give this away? That starts getting at it. But if it's $5 because that happened to be in your pocket, that's not going to affect your life much. This is what He calls us to. And He calls us to this at this stage. Remember, Jesus said, you say, four months comes the harvest. But I say to you, behold, the fields are white for harvest. This is typical student mindset. Not you, everybody else. All the people who are not here. The typical student mindset is this. I am a student. I'm a student. And when I get done with school, then I'll get involved. And then I'll do this. And then I'll, I'll... You know, I'll have all this time for the Lord when I stop being a student because being a student is the most difficult and time-consuming thing in the world. Nothing could consume more time than being a student. I mean, everybody else works nine to five and then their nights are free and they do whatever they want. They, the weekends are free, free. Not anybody with a professional career that I know does that. If you want to be successful in your profession, you're going to be working a lot more than 40 hours. And He calls you to something. He calls us to things that bring us beyond what we would normally do. 
And he says that it is the tendency of religious people to get so involved with themselves and their own communities that there is no reaching beyond. You know, there are, there are black holes that we sometimes in life get confronted with. And these are people. You just pour into their lives and they just suck more into you. Nothing ever comes out of them. And it's as if God brings them and drops them into the church for our sake to see, are we going to minister to them? You're a pastor, right? You've seen these black holes. You just give and you give and you pour into their lives and year after year and you wonder, when are you going to do anything? They are there for our sake very often to learn how to give into other people's lives. I have people that visit my, my home at times that, that people have said to me, you know, you shouldn't allow that person to visit your home. I say, well, why? Well, well, you, you know, look at the way they are. They're dangerous. You have an obligation to your other visitors to protect them. I say, they're dangerous? As far as I know, they've never pulled out a knife or a gun. I mean, David, David Jessison, David the son of Jesse, he was dangerous. I mean, you can read things about David that David, it says, David hated, hated the disabled people because there were blind people up on the wall when they were going to attack Jerusalem. And, they were make, and, and the king of Jerusalem had had blind people go there and just, just mock him from the wall. And it says, the, the, the blind ones whom David's heart hated. You know, after he took over some cities, David would have the people sawn in two. It's in there. Sometimes he would, he would have them whipped with, with, with these thorns. And it's not like our little rose bushes out here. You go to the thorns in Israel are like this long. When, David, when Jesus had that crown of thorns and big long spikes. I mean, David was the violent guy. I said, that's a man after my own heart. I could work with him. I mean, Paul was the violent guy. I mean, we've had people dragged out of their homes and thrown into prisons. He was there at the stoning of Stephen. God said, I want that one. I'm going to confound the wise with that one. God has chosen the things that are not that He might nullify the things that are. You know, sometimes the ones that look like the priests and the Levites, they're not the ones. God says, that's Samaritans doing the right thing. And, and I'm speaking to myself. I mean, I've been, I've been saved for, I mean, a long time. Over 30 years. And I see how it, it's so easy. It can, it's so easy to get focused in on myself and my own things and my own little community where everybody looks nice. And God has called us intentionally to look at people very differently. And very often we don't know who we're ministering to. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 and 3, that you have... Been, let, let me read this to you. This is, this is an interesting portion because you, you never know exactly who you're speaking to. In, in Hebrews chapter 13... Verses 2 and 3 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this, some have entertained angels 
without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. You see, he says, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, because some have entertained angels without knowing it. And remember on the, the that road to Emmaus, they met Jesus on the way. They stopped and they invited him in. And then he, you know, he breaks bread and he appears to them. Moses, if you look when the, the Lord and two angels were walking by, uh, uh, not Moses, uh, Abraham said, you guys got to stay here. They said, no, no, we're not going to stay. He just he said, just stay, I'll get you a drink. And then he went off and he had a whole meal cooked for them. I mean, hospitality just poured out on these strangers. Well, what happened? He found out later, you know, those strangers were angels. And one of them was the Lord. Proverbs 19, an interesting verse in Proverbs 19 that God challenges us with. Proverbs 19, verse 17. says, one who is gracious to the poor, one who is gracious to a poor man, lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. I mean, you be gracious to those who can't be gracious back, the scriptures say, and God will reward you. You will have a good life if you start ministering to those who can't give back. Remember what he says, when you hold a feast... Don't invite those who can invite you in return. But invite those who have not the ability to give back. Or who wouldn't normally give back. He calls us to something different. And I want to close by reading you one passage out of this book, Joshua. But you see the home in which this guy grew up in. It's really, really amazing. So this is the introduction where he shares a true story from his childhood. He says, our family of 12 children grew up during the Depression years. It was routine for people who wandered the streets to stop at our back door daily and ask for something to eat. My parents would always welcome them as members of the family, as my father would give them his place at the table and serve them. His answer to our questions as to why he was so nice to these shabby-looking strangers was that whatever we do to the poor, we do to God. God visits us in the form of the poor. That never meant anything to us until one night. There was a knock at the back door. It had been snowing all day long, and there was over a foot of snow on the ground. We were surprised anyone would be out on such a miserable night. When one of us opened the door, a man was standing there, thin, bearded, and shabbily dressed. Before the man could say anything, my father invited him in and seated him as usual. He offered the man a bowl of soup, but the man declined. Just a piece of bread and a cup of coffee will be fine, was all he said. When my father tried to get him to take something nourishing, the man said, No, save it for the children. Then he proceeded to bless his little meal and eat it. One of my sisters asked him if he was a kidnapper. 
No, I love children, was all he said. When he finished, he asked God to bless us all. Then he took his cap and left, expressing his thanks as he walked out the back door. We all ran to the various windows to watch him go out the alley. When he didn't pass, we went back to the kitchen and looked out the kitchen window onto the porch. No sign of him. We opened the back door and looked on the porch. He was nowhere to be seen. And there were no footprints in the snow, either on the porch or in the yard. He had just disappeared. Going back into the house, everyone wondered where he went. Father merely said, you should always learn to see God in the poor. Since then, we have realized that God comes to visit us all, visit all of us many times in various shapes and disguises. Isn't that an interesting passage? Isn't that an interesting story? I mean, God calls us to something different in life as a believer. And it is so easy as believers. Why should, he, why should Jesus choose the most religious of people, the priest and the Levite, as the ones who pass by on the other side? I mean, he could have chosen you know, a stockbroker or a lawyer. I mean, a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that makes sense. <laughs> but what does he do? He chooses the people that we would think are the ones that, that would minister. He does this. He chooses this story for our sake. Because he says, we are the ones most prone to like our own little communities and forget hurting people. And forget people that, that need someone to really share a word with them. You will meet sometimes very strange people. There are strange students on this campus. I mean, you don't have to go far <laughs> to find them. And, and that, that act strange. And they have this, this black hole mentality where you feel like you, you, you could give to them all day and you will never see any real life coming from them. They're the ones that so often God is calling us to minister into their lives to give something to them, to welcome them as you would welcome anybody else, and to specifically reach out to invite them. Let me tell you a little bit more what they would look like. They would look like the students that sit in the serveries without anybody sitting with them a lot of times. Or students that go to the surveys and rather than to endure the pain of sitting alone because they don't relate well to people, they just take it up to their room. So they eat in their rooms all the time. Not just because they're studying, but because it's hard for them to interact with people. Those are the ones that God says to us, go sit with them. You want to know something? That's who Jesus would sit with. That's who He would sit with. I don't think that He'd sit with the people that the, the group of people that just go and sit with them that are laughing and joking. He would go find the person sitting alone. Because we are different, He calls us to that. To find the person that is sitting alone and sit with them and just get to know them. Invite them to the navigators meeting. You never know. They might say yes. 
Or invite them to take the bus with you to church or wherever you go to church. Invite them. They might say yes. Or if they say, well, I'm Jewish. Oh, really? Tell me about that. I know this Jewish professor. He teaches at my church. Um there are things that he calls you to, or that, that young lady that is just so difficult to deal with. That might be the one that God has called. Is it her? <laughs> Jane? <laughs> okay. That might be the one that God is calling you to minister to. Because nobody else wants to deal with her because she's so difficult and unreasonable. That's the one. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the base things and the despised God has chosen the things that are not that he might nullify the things that are he has done that he has chosen the base things he has called us to do that lest we be like the priest and the Levite that's the difference. We can just comfortably go to the other side of the road. Comfortably go to the other table and leave the hurting person. You know nothing about them, really. For all you know, their father is CEO of General Electric. You don't know. You know nothing about them. God has called you to the base things of the world. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for Your Word which convicts me and my heart. Because, Father, so often I am the priest. I am the Levite. And so often I have been put to shame by people who don't even know You for the way that they'll reach out to others. Father, I pray for these young people that you would get a hold of their hearts. Father, work on their hearts, I pray. Draw them to your Son. Father, I pray that they would reach out to the hurting. Reach out to the embarrassed. Reach out to the one that people laugh at. Father, that they would associate with the lowly because that's where you would be. Abba, have mercy on them, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.